on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. your tolerance but lecture me is there no end to your own hypocrisy your god is power you have no shame your only interest is political gain you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play your game. coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgianos And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to one of our always wonderful Thursday shows. So thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Today we have joining us just two extraordinary guests, a husband and wife. Uh, and they're here to talk about their experience in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. Their names are Jaleese and Mark Middleton. And you'll hear their story and, and so much more in just a few minutes. I want to take a moment before we launch into the story of what happened to them to just give a summary of what we know now, sitting here in 2023, in April 2023, about January 6th and what, what everyone knew at the time, what we know now, and where, where the cases stand. Uh, to start with, there have been, in Washington, D.C., prosecutions initiated by the Department of Justice against at least 994 American citizens. 994, uh, the DOJ actually notified the district court, the uh, chief judge of the D.C. district court recently, at the end of last year, that they anticipate bringing more charges against somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 more Americans. But as of now, 994 people have been charged, and among those, um, 541 pled guilty, so over half pled guilty. Um, they, they had jury or bench trials for 67 of them, and basically everybody gets convicted. That's a short story. One person had uh, the charges dropped. One, one was acquitted by in a bench trial. Uh, the number of people sentenced, 445, and the percentage of people who are, uh, receive prison time after whether they go through a trial, a bench trial, a jury trial, or just plead, uh, the percentage who end up going to prison is 58%. So over half go to prison, and the average amount of time received is 60 days, uh, but some have as many as 10 years. I also want to cover quickly a lot of the uh, misrepresentations made about what happened on January 6th. Often you'll hear not only left-leaning or propaganda media news sources say there were five people killed uh, by the protesters, five people died that day, and the implication of those statements is that somehow the protesters were the ones who committed some act leading to the death of individuals that day. And even judges during sentencing hearings make grotesquely false statements about the deaths that occurred on that day on January 6, 2021. Quick summary, Ashley Babbitt, everyone well knows, uh, was shot to death by a Capitol Police officer and with no charges ever brought. Uh, three other people, uh, two other people, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, both unfortunately perished uh, due to cardiovascular disease. Essentially, they had a heart attack that day 
in the midst of all that occurred, not due to violence by anyone else. Um, Roseanne Boyland is the one who originally her death was attributed to uh, some kind of, it was claimed to be due to a drug overdose. Uh, now more information has come out, an actual video has come out showing that she was a recipient of a very serious beating by either Capitol Police officers or Capitol Police, uh, DC Metro Police, um, which apparently contributed to her death. The final person who died that day, we've heard talk about his story many, many times in this show, uh, was Capitol Police Officer uh, Brian Sicknick. And many, many news outlets reported for months on end that Officer Sicknick died due to having been uh, beaten by w using a fire extinguisher inside the Capitol that day. And so it was, it was depicted over and over, this is someone beaten to death by the protesters on January 6th. The facts have now emerged that, uh, that not only did that not happen, but that eventually when the DC medical examiner uh, reported what the cause of death was after performing the autopsy on Officer Brian Sicknick, he actually and most unfortunately passed away due to the result of having two strokes. Strokes, unfortunate a thing that happens to American citizens. Specifically, the DC medical examiner found no evidence of having of Officer Sicknick having damage to his skull that would be that would have been caused by a beating by a fire extinguisher also indicated because some reports had said well but he got sprayed with bear spray that's probably what killed him uh, this same DC medical examiner um, his name is uh, Dr. Francisco Diaz said actually there's no evidence that anything Officer Sicknick inhaled that day led to his death I want to take the time to run through those uh, stories because part of what happens in the coverage of January 6th and in the depiction of the people involved in January 6th is that it was just a day of wild, uh, irresponsible violence leading to the death of innocent citizens, when the fact is no one died on January 6th as a result of the conduct of any of the protesters who chose to go to Washington that day. Other recent news that has come out related to January 6th, very recently, due to some charges brought by some, against some people, there appeared to have been at least 40 FBI officers undercover that day on the Capitol grounds, or some of them had gotten themselves inserted into certain groups which were or protesting on, in Washington that day, but up to 40 FBI officers undercover. Uh, many people wondering, for example, why no one has been charged with breaking the windows, you know, the famous video that's always shown of the January 6th protest, someone smashing windows of the Capitol. To my knowledge, after looking at all the cases this morning, no one charged, no citizen charged with having broken those windows. Great suspicion, of course, arises whether there was any kind of provocation of the protest, and perhaps those FBI officers were among those who were causing that kind of violence to occur, the breaking of windows. Uh, the Tucker Carlson video recently uh, released because, fortunately, Kevin McCarthy gave access to the videos from the Capitol grounds on January 6th to Tucker, Tucker Carlson, who played portions on his show. Many of those videos, and the, as Amer millions of Americans watched them, you come, came to realize, even inside the Capitol, Capitol Police officers were peacefully walking people around. Even the QAnon shaman gentleman who chooses to dress in a bizarre manner in his protests was being peacefully walked around inside the Capitol by Capitol Police officers. Um, no answer yet why the Capitol doors were unlocked, though Capitol doors are heavy, and at that point could have only been opened from the inside. 
many people who were there on January 6th claiming that the Capitol Police appear to have opened the doors originally. Many people charged with entering the Capitol that day said the doors were open. We didn't know we weren't allowed to go in. I want to do that run through, and that is a truly brief run through of, the many, of many more facts I could recite, but I want to lay the groundwork for the story we're about to talk about. Because in America, of course, none of us wants to have an insurrection. None of us, we all understand the importance of a peaceful transfer of power. We all understand the importance of having law and order. For those who chose to go to Washington on January 6th, there were many people sitting at home, maybe not paying that much attention to politics, to whom, from the outsider's view, things looked like, wow, that got really out of control. Things that, what were these people so mad about? Why did this happen uh, the way it did on January 6th? I'll plant this one last seed before we turn to Jaleese and Mark Middleton. And that is this. At this point, here in April 2023, many Americans have a lot of information available to them that helps them come to recognize with more certainty that the election of 2020 had a, well, I mean, in shorthand terms, it appears the election was stolen. There, there are just, there's a mountain of information out there available to many Americans choosing to listen that there was a great deal of electronic manipulation of the voter tabulation software, electronic manipulation of the voter rolls. There's information out there that causes many people, oh, and including, of course, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's film, 2000 Mules, showing how many of the mail-in ballots were subject to apparent fraud. All by way of saying, well, we know that now, but even think what we knew on January 6th. On January 6th, 2021, everyone paying attention knew, number one, that on election night in November 2020, many strange things happened. They stopped counting ballots in key swing states all at once with no explanation. The, the uh, coverage being shown to that point appeared to show that Donald Trump was going to win re-election. And lo and behold, he woke up the next morning and who knew all those states went for Joe Biden. Many people found that to be uh, dubious at best. We also knew, even at that time, just watching people watching the elections, we knew that Donald Trump had been able to create a rally, create a crowd with him pretty much wherever he went on 24 hours notice, thousands of people showing up. And we saw a campaign uh, by the Biden team, which pretty much was Joe Biden sitting in his basement, peering out the window. Occasional tiny rallies with people sitting by themselves in circles six to ten feet apart. And, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't fill a, a high school basketball stadium, let alone the kind of stadiums. So there was an obvious uh, disconnect between the idea that Biden allegedly won the most votes ever in American history and that Trump somehow lost the last fact which I always thought was a major fact, even back then as we were starting to talk about the election into late in November and into December, was that people knew that the 18 of, 18 of 19 bellwether counties in this country, again, bellwether counties means that in the past, in the past decades, those counties had accurately, correctly voted for and turned up voted for whoever was going to be the winner of that election. So people would look at those bellwether counties and say, wow, you know, it seems to be whatever counties, whatever candidate those counties go for, that's who wins the presidential race. So in that time, at that time in November of 2020, and certainly by January 6th, 
everyone paying attention knew that 18 of 19 of the bellwether counties in America went hands down for Donald Trump. 18 of the 19 hands down for Donald Trump. One bellwether county went squeaked by with an apparent Biden victory. So lots of reason that intelligent, well-informed Americans were very, very concerned about election and really election integrity in this country before we even got to the fateful day of January 6, 2021. And with that longer than usual introduction, which I just felt compelled to share with you, I want to introduce to you, to our audience and to our listeners, our guests today, Jalise and Mark Middleton. Welcome to the show. Thank you Thank so you. much. Okay, so I usually do a first five. That was like a first 13, <laughs> but I, I wanted to get it all out there before I turn to you. So first of all, welcome to our show. Very quickly introduce you to our audience. You are Texas residents. Are you just tell quickly you're from a you live on a ranch and a farm? What's your quick your your home life before January sixth? Yeah, we uh, live on a family farm out in Forsburg, Texas. Uh, four generations ran, and um, we've been there about fifteen years. Very happy, feel blessed that we've been out in this little tiny community. Okay, so and you're, so you're Texans, which uh, everyone in our audience loves. I think our, our whole national audience loves uh, good Texans. So before I get to what happened that day, either of you, any criminal background, any, any felonies you wish to confess right now? Just kidding. Prior to January 6th, any arrest, any criminal background? Aside for some minor speeding tickets, no. You got speeding tickets? Oh, me too. I, I, I have over the last, yeah, 35 years, yes, I've had one or two, but none were on our records at the time for either one of us. Right, so no criminal Nothing. background. And also prior to that day, had you gone to Washington, D.C. for protests and marches before this? No, no. Never, never okay. even been involved with a protest. Didn't know what to do when we were there. There you go. Okay, so what made you decide... So the protests, obviously, January 6, 2021. Uh, I, I, was, I guess I'll go with Mark first, go back and forth. What made you decide to go to Washington on January 6th? You know, watching everything that went on and watching, you know, the whole year leading up to the election, the election results, um, all that, I felt led to be there. You know, it, honestly, it had very little, if anything, to do with Trump himself. Um, I, I've always kind of looked at Trump as a symptom of the problem or a, a, a you know, a symptom of, of what's going on in America rather than the movement. And so I felt led by God to be there. I felt like I was called to be there. So. Do you want to add to that at all, Julius? He, he's absolutely right. Uh, we, you know, it, it was, I had a moving on my heart from November on and I, by December, I felt like I was running from God. I felt called to it. I had a responsibility to go. And so both of you, uh, I assume part of the reason, it just seemed like something was amiss in this election in 2020, dubious to you that Donald Trump did not win. Absolutely, right. no okay. doubt about it. And you know, and also it was, I knew the, state, the states were certifying that day um, before the joint, uh, the joint Congress. And if we could show up in mass enough for them to say, hey, you know what? Let's send this back to the states. Let's take a few, two weeks, make sure this is accurate. This is what we want to do and then move forward. That's why that, that was a huge part of being there besides being led to be there. 
was that, hey, maybe we can send this back to the states and for We're sending a message to Congress, yes. please yes. do this, please yes. consider this. Okay, Julie, you told me the most amazing thing, not just today, but when we met with you previously, you didn't know on January 6th, okay, I'm not making fun of you, but you did not know on January 6th that in the Capitol, the meeting was happening in the Capitol, potentially with Vice President Pence there. Is that correct? That is correct. I did not know. In fact, uh, word had made it through the crowd that the election had been certified, that they've certified the votes. And at that point, I can remember turning to Mark and going, they're in there? <laughs> you know, they're in there now? So, yeah, you're not actually going there to intimidate them. You didn't even know they're in there. No, Just a good no. point to start with. Okay, so, so you get down to Washington. You're there on January 6th. You first went to hear Donald Trump and his remarks not near the Capitol, across at, over the lips. So how long did you hang around there, do you think? We probably got there around 10 a.m. Uh, we were in between, we were very close to the Washington Monument. So we okay. were a long ways away from the ellipse. Um, we stood there till about 1.15 or so, assuming, I, I don't know when Trump started speaking, um, but that's that's where we were. I mean, we were a long ways from the ellipse and Okay, and then you decided at some point to walk to go over to the Capitol. Yes, and um, I Should tell for our listeners because you can't tell looking at this lovely couple uh, Jalise has a uh, something going on with her knee or ankle or something. So anyway, she walks with a um, a with her with her knee bent, you know with a rolling what well, like a knee scooter Excuse me knee scooter. Okay, there you go. So that's what, so she doesn't really walk around freely so now I want to get that in to say, so you decided to leave where Trump was and walk over to the Capitol, and you left before Trump was done talking, right? Correct. Why Correct. was that? Because it takes me longer to get anywhere because of my health problems, and, um, and I wanted a good spot at the Capitol. There were due to be a lot of speakers, and I was looking forward to, to getting to see those speakers while I had been at the Washington Monument. You know, when people are walking, they're looking up eye level, but here I was way down here sitting on a stool, so everyone kept falling over me. And I wanted to finally get up close to where if I chose to sit down, I could still see the speakers and not be fell over. You know, what you gave me when we met last time, you forwarded to me, I had never seen this before, but uh, it was a MAGA rally map guide. And I had not realized that day that there were really um, a variety of things going on at the oh, Capitol. Yeah. So leaving before Trump was done, before the Trump rally was done, getting across town to the Capitol, the purpose of going, it sounds like you're saying, was to hear speakers over there at the Capitol, different speakers going to speak up, and to join in this thing, the Jericho March, or at least to see it happen. Right. And you could quickly make Mark, one of you, on what the Jericho March was supposed to be? It it's, mimics the march around Jericho from the ancient Israelites. So everybody was supposed to join in this march and walk around the Capitol and, and uh, each, you know, uh, what, seven laps. And uh, each time the leader would blow a safar, um, just like an ancient Jericho. And then at the end of it, you know, we all stomp and, you know, just exactly the biblical story of the march around Jericho. Uh, yep. I love that. In fact, I'm aware of other patriots um, doing similar things around the country. It, it's wonderful. Anyway, so things are going to be happening at the Capitol. That's why you went over there. You wanted to hear that. Um, and so you got over the Capitol, and you also were telling me earlier, and I want to just get some facts just straight out. So you get over the Capitol. You had to walk. You didn't get a cab or anything. You walked, Correct. hobbled. Okay, so you get all the way over there. 
you got yourselves pretty far up close to where the barricade was on Capitol grounds, correct? Yes. Correct. So that morning, actually, our hotel was near the Capitol, and we actually had to walk past the Capitol. And that morning, there were barricades from the ellipse that goes around the Capitol itself, barricades there, and then successively all the way up the Capitol lawn. And I actually have a picture on my phone I took because the, the uh, Chinese Americans, the anti-CCP protesters, were there and they had the banner up and you know they were doing their protests. So we took some pictures of that and talked to a few people. Um, when we got back to the Capitol at around, I don't know, 1.30 or 1.45 or so, um, those barricades were gone. You know, they weren't knocked over, there wasn't holes knocked in them or anything like that. They were non-existent. They'd been removed? Yes. Okay, so you got yourself up close to the barricade that was as close as, as far up as you could get. Yes. Okay, and by the way, the crooked thing in the CCP, I love that that happens. We were in Washington months earlier. There are Chinese Americans protesting against the CCP. They're out every chance they get saying, yes. and they, they have a slogan, end the CCP. I love that. But back to where we are. Okay. So I, want, I mean, I, I really do. It's, it's people in America saying, can you see what the, what the CCP is? Right. Yeah. So you're back over the Capitol grounds. You got up close because you wanted to hear the speakers. And, and you described as one, and have you do it again I mean, for our listeners, for everybody. So you got up pretty close and you two decided to pray for our country. And I, and I want to have you describe how close you were to the barricade and what you were physically doing standing there near the barricade. So we, we got up there to the barricades and, and we talked to the cops a few minutes. If we touched the barricade, they would tell us, do not touch it. So after, after a few minutes of talking with them, uh, we decided to pray and I turned my back to the barricade, um, you know, just uh, right there next to it. And occasionally we would get pushed into the barricade from the crowd surging forward or, you know, whatever, we were in prayer, so we were kind of huddled. Had someone make the comment, it's the holy huddle. Um, but her hands were on my shoulder, and you know, we were praying, and, and I don't know how long we were like that. Um, but at some point, um, I heard her scream out, and I looked up, and she was pulling her hand back, and I started feeling hits on my back. Feeling and hits on your back? Hits. Something was From hitting a me. Not from a punch, a, a, an object. Right. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, was, it was hitting me up on my shoulders and, and around my head and stuff like that. And as we turned around to shield ourselves from, you know, try to basically ascertain what was going on, the, the uh, Capitol Police line that was there, there were some D.C. Metro cops coming over the top of them, striking me with a club. I want to be sure about something. So you're, the, the capitalist here has got a barricade. You're, you're here in the grounds, and you, yep. you're, I assume, in prayer, eyes closed, mm -hmm. arms, you know, arms like this. And at some point, some, other, some gentleman whom he did not join, know joined in your prayer. So three of you standing there. Prior to this, we're going to get back to it in a moment, what you're talking about. But prior to that, had any police told you not to go near, not to be, be where, that you couldn't be where, you're, where you were standing? No. no. No one told you couldn't leave. No. And as you're walking in from coming across from where Trump was over to the, did any police tell you at any point you're not allowed there? No. Honestly, we didn't see any police. Yeah. Like there were none to be had. What I thought were police at the time, um, it was hindsight. It was people in uh, combat gear. Is that what they call it? Combat gear. gear, tactical gear. 
but there were no patches. And that didn't register to me at the time. That came later when I realized those weren't police. I never saw patches. It, yeah, like a normal police. So, okay, so you, you hadn't had, I really want to get these straight. So you go to the Capitol. No one told you not to go where you were walking. Correct. And when you got up near the barricade and you're standing there and you're huddled in prayer, no one prior to that had said, don't go there. You didn't see police telling anybody else you're not allowed to be here. So as far as you knew, standing there, you're allowed to be there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then you're immersed in prayer, which, and I assume prayer for our country, for freedom, for America. Exactly. I don't mean to yeah. pry deeply, but I mean, it's a prayer yeah, for America. No, it, it, yeah, it was. It was, it was a, a prayer for uh, deliverance of the United States. You know the the evil and sin that's going on in the United States, and and that's what it was. Okay, and a third gentleman joined you, and the next thing you knew, the first interaction you have with the police, other than when you're standing near the barricade and touch it, and, and they said you can't touch the barricade, and you said okay, correct, okay. Correct. So first interaction, you hear her call, you Mark hear Jalise cry out mm -hmm. because something's hit her. What? Why did you cry out? They hit my hand, and I jerked my hand back, and you know, was instantly like, what did you just do? But that's when I heard Mark scream out and I look over and they are waylaying on him. I only got one hit, but they are, they are just cutting loose on him. Again, they want to have this picture. So there's a barricade, there's a lineup of Capitol Police and behind the right. Capitol Police, Metro Police, Metro Police reaching over the Capitol Police, over yes. the barricade and hitting him in the back. Yes. Okay. So when you first felt strikes in your back, Mark, you, what did you do? How'd you react? I, I turned around to shield myself and try to figure out what exactly is going on. You know, why am I, you know, why am I getting hit? So when this first occurred, the first you felt your arm being hit your back, you did not even know it was the police doing that, correct? At, at this point, no. It, it could have been some nutty protester. It could have been, yeah. Or any, you know, okay. It, they would have had to have gotten on the other side of the barricade. Yeah. My instant reaction was that it was police. Just okay. because that's all we could see in front of us. Okay, so you have it, you're shielding yourselves, and then one of you got to walk us through this. So, the, the um, because the interaction, I mean, you're back and forth, it's great. You've been married a long time, I understand. Yes. yes. So you, you have the kind of conversation of long time married people jumping in, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand. Coming okay. up on 33 years. 33 years, yeah. okay, that's great. Okay, so when you're, you, let's go with Mark for a second. You feel him pushing on your, uh, hitting on your back with something. You go like this. What happened then? I turned around to, to shield myself and figure out what was going on. And at that time, the D.C., actually, I guess it was Capitol Police, or D, I, I don't know who, which one it was, reached over the barricade and grabbed Jalise and tried to pull her over the barricade. So someone on the, whoever it was, Capitol or Metro, right. tried to pull Jalise physically over the barricade into yes. the prohibited area. Yes. Correct. And Correct. so what'd you do? I grabbed her and started trying to pull back, you know, not wanting them to snatch my wife over. So. And did you, I mean, did you have any understanding why they'd be trying to pull uh, you over into the barricade? Well, yeah, because when they started attacking Mark. When they started beating him on his back, I instantly jumped into them to stop them from hitting him. And when I did that, they were able to grab my arms and tried to jerk me over the barricades. And when they did that, the man that had been praying with us grabbed assuming. me. I, yeah, I, I honestly don't know because yeah. he was behind me, but I'm assuming because he was there with us in prayer, he jerked me back out of their arms. 
And over half of my body was already over the barricade where they had ripped me over. So when they did that, I mean, when the gentleman that was behind us grabbed me and pulled me back, it actually caused the barricades to even cave in toward the crowd because he pulled me with such extreme yeah. force. And while this, while he's pulling on her, you were also trying to pull her back? Yes. Okay, so, I mean, it's a very odd thing to imagine why the police would be trying to pull you into a barricaded area where you're not allowed, except they're trying to fend off or trying to stop you from defending your husband. Right. Is that? Right. Okay, so then what happened? So when I get pulled back, right about that very same time, they maced us, and I'm blind in my left eye, so I, I did not see it coming. And he got a direct, or she, I don't know, the officer got a direct shot on my eyes and, oh, I guess, splashed over into his. And, but I, mine was such a direct, like, I'll never forget seeing the stream go into my eyeball as it hit the good eye. You're talking about mace. Of mace, pepper yes, spray. pepper spray. Pepper spray, okay. Yeah. So you both get pepper sprayed, and after that you can't see, correct? Nothing. Correct. So then what'd you do? You couldn't see, you were... I could see a little bit out of one eye, actually out of, out of my left eye, because at that time it was my right eye that was facing them, my right side. So the person let us down. Um, as, as we're going through the crowd, people are hand, handing us bottles of water. They take us over to a triage area some distance away, um, and other people were giving us water. That wasn't for, an actual triage. Yeah, it, it was just yeah, it was just a, a little you know a little a area. Water cleaning station. It, it, yeah, I, it, it, like they know. had it planned. Yeah, yeah, it was just a little area that that you know they were taking people to that had been pepper sprayed or injured or something like that, and people were giving us water and visine for our eyes and. Uh, Mine cleared up relatively quickly within about 20 minutes, but it took probably 45 minutes before she could see well enough to walk back to the hotel. And um, so anyway, is when she was ready to go back to the hotel, we looked up at the Capitol and that's when we had noticed people up on all the balconies and the, the barriers had been breached. But when you were up there, the barriers hadn't been breached. None no, of that climate capital no, even started. Not where we were. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And getting one more thing, getting from the position you're in in prayer, and then the attack, uh, the assault on you, whatever you want to call it, uh, began. The gentleman who'd been praying with you actually had to help lead you to where the eye washing station was. Yeah. The, yes. Or, or some, somebody did. Yes. We, we don't. We don't know. Who. I, okay. I grabbed his hands and put them around my waist, and he. He put my hands over his shoulders and said, hold on. And he, we kind of did a train down the steps to the retaining wall. Okay. Was that your only interaction with the police all day? Yes. yes. That little, that scene you just described. And that was, I mean, we were talking earlier, maybe two minutes at most, maybe a minute at most. At the very most. Yeah, I, I don't even think it was that long. I think it was more seconds than anything. Okay. So... So your action in reaching or in any physical movement toward the officers was in response to them hitting you and you hadn't before that. Okay, so that, that all happens, you, you know, think, good thing that's over. So you go back home, I mean, you go back to your hotel, eventually go back home. You were later arrested, and I want to talk about that a little bit because between that day, January 6th, uh, did you get contacted by the D.C. police or the DOJ or anyone else telling you that you're being investigated? None no. whatsoever. So you're back home doing your farm thing. Yep. And then 
you had them show up to arrest you. And, and one of you, talk, actually, it's probably your turn. Jalise, tell us about that. <laughs> I'm trying to be, let them get, both get some amount of fair time talking. So you had the police show up at your, or the FBI show at your house one day. Just describe what happened, please. So I'll kind of tell my side of it because they actually picked us up on the same day at the same time, but in separate incidents. Um, but what had happened is I was getting ready for work and I was already just, you know, taking care of my hair and uh, I get a phone call and I don't answer it because I didn't recognize it and they call back immediately and that's, you know, that's when you know, okay, they're trying to get in touch with you. So I answer the phone and she says, we have your husband. This is FBI you need to come out. And I really believe it's a joke. Um, I did not, I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't, I didn't wrap around, why would that, why would that be I want us? So I really believed somebody's looking to harm my husband. That was my very first thought. And so, and I have a license to carry, and that was the last thing I needed to do is, is holster up. And so when I went to walk in the bedroom, I look over at my gun on the dresser. I don't even reach for it, I don't think. But I looked over at it. And this woman on the phone said, do not touch that gun. <laughs> at that point, I realized somebody's not playing. And they know more about me than I know about them. So I walk through my bedroom and... Immediately, I look out the living room window, and I can see my entire lawn is covered with agents. And, um, and there is a, a tank parked on my handicap ramp <laughs> with a battering ram pointed at my door. And I, I, really, at that moment, my first thought was, how did they get in my yard and I didn't hear them? I'm out in the country. There's no city noises. Um, so anyway, I open the door, I still have the phone in my hand, and I start to walk down the ramp with my hands up, and they fly a drone right past my head into the, into the house. So like, my head and that drone are in the doorway, and uh, that kind of made me mad. I kind of remember flying a flare of evil look at them for that, um, and I, I dodged to go around the battering ram down the ramp. And, I, and they're at the bottom of the ramp and I hand them my cell phone. And that's, you know, when they go on to tell me that, um, that I'm being arrested for my involvement on January 6th. Okay, so the, the battering ram with the what, tank vehicle, whatever it was, that's there. How many officers do you think were there? How many FBI officers? Ever bit. Uh, I, I would guess 22. 22. Okay, and they were armed with? They're all armed. There's two SWAT teams there. So not only do you have the 22 federal agents, you've got SWAT teams going everywhere. And the SWAT teams were armed with M4s. So, um, and when, when I actually, when I open the door, they're all pointed at me. I mean, there's guns pointing everywhere at me. Um, they do th throw a flashbang grenade at me when I start to go down the <laughs> handicap ramp. I don't know if they threw it at me or just made it sound off. I'm not exactly sure which. Um, it what I didn't feel in imminent danger, but I did hear it go off. Okay, so this is the first time really clear. And this, I'm sorry, what date is this again? This is April 21st of 21. So you're you're several months away from January 6th. 
say, actually, I didn't know that they got you first. And I do want to have you just describe what happened because honestly, people don't picture this happening to <laughs> normal law-abiding citizens. Yeah, it, uh, it's kind of embarrassing in a way because it's a little my, uh, of my naivety, but um, I, I get in the company car, I had a company car, and I pull out of the farm onto the lane, which is a gravel road heading up to the, the paved road. And there in front of me comes the MRAP, the tank, um, which is basically a, it's a SWAT assault vehicle, um, armored vehicle. It, it's coming at me and I thought, huh, that's weird. <laughs> and there's agents hanging out of it with, with automatic weapons and then two black Suburbans come out from behind it with agents hanging out with automatic weapons and I thought, huh, that's weird. And I look in my rearview mirror and here's two more coming up behind me and I'm like, that's really weird, I better yeah. stop. So I stopped. <laughs> yeah. um, so they, they called me out of the car and... Uh, they called you by name? Yes, yeah, yeah, they, they called me by name. So I walk out, you know, I, I get out of the car and I'm walking up to them, my hands up. They fly a drone into the car and... Uh, you know, I'm walking towards the two agents that are calling me. They're about 20 feet away. And out of the MRAP, they throw a flashbang grenade at my feet. And I stopped when they did that. And I turned around and looked at the MRAP. And I said, seriously? And I looked back at the two agents and I said, why did they do that? And they said, because Washington told us to do it this way. And so as I get up to them and they're handcuffing me, they actually bind my hands down to my side and they're putting shackles on me. I said, why didn't y'all just call us to come down? And, you know, I said, we would have just came right down. And they said, well, Washington told us to do it this way and we didn't want you destroying evidence because the evidence we want is your phone. So I said, all right, you, you got a search warrant? And they said, we don't have to show you one. And I said, well, yes, you do. And they said, no, we don't. And I said, you have to show me a search warrant. You can't raid me without a search warrant. Well, he holds the search warrant up away from me and says, see here, here it is. And I said, well, let me read it. And they said, no, we don't have to. So they put me in the car and as they're putting me in the car, I begged them to call her. I said, she carries in the morning. She's getting ready for work. Please call her. Don't, don't hurt my wife. You know, don't tear up my house. Don't kill my dogs or anything. Just call her. And uh, so they did. Um, as soon as they had me in the car, everyone else took off down to the house. So by the time I got to the house, they had already had her coming out the steps. So again, I'm just going to repeat what you said. You had no prior knowledge before this day that whatever you did in January 6th was going to result in criminal charges, correct? <laughs> okay. So you have this happen, and eventually, where, where you sit right now, where you stand legally, is you're going to trial this coming August. Yes. 2023. You've had previous trial dates that got extended for a variety of reasons. Yes. But right now you're going to trial this August at criminal charges. And, uh, you know, I, the legal beagle me wants to review these in detail, but I'm going <laughs> to avoid doing that. I just want to say there are, I think this is one, two, three, four, five, six, Should seven be. charges. Nine. There's nine. Nine, nine charges. Yeah. Okay. And the charges basically are tied to the interaction with the two officers uh, okay. on, on the Capitol Hill grounds. And, um, and all of them essentially arise, they're, they're assaulting, allegedly assaulting officers, engaging in civil disorder, and everything else relates to, oh, there's this one charge we'll focus on in a minute, but and other ones are entering, remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, physical violence, restricted building, disorderly conduct, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's, that's basically it. The one that's unique, and we talked about a little bit earlier, is this one that's 
perhaps come under some question, uh, but it's uh, 1512, it's 89 U.S., 18 U.S. Code, it's criminal code, 18 U.S. Code, 1512 C2, which basically says it's an obstruction of an official proceeding. And that is the one that many criminal, generally six defendants are getting the longer sentencing tied to. Uh, it came, this law came out of, uh, after Sarbanes-Oxley, it was in Sarbanes-Oxley after the whole Enron deal, and essentially uh, it requires, it appears to require uh, the kind of corrupting, uh, that you have some kind of um, corruption intention or intention of corruption. So. That charge maybe a little bit um, requires a bunch of legal analysis. But the other ones are all going to rise or fall on your interaction with those officers that day. Okay, so you quickly run me through the story with lawyers. You, you've had uh, public defenders. You, you don't have a lawyer right now, correct? We're public defenders. Um, do you want to? Yes, we originally started out with uh, paid attorneys that um, when they let us out, for our arraignment, is that what that's called? Yeah. Arraignment hearing. Um, this this particular lawyer happened to be there. He said, I'll do this one pro bono, and then if you want to retain me, you can. So he got us through the arraignment. We went, we decided to, to retain him, and Mark had to have his own. We get all these attorneys, $250,000. Um, just a little bit of chump change. and. Anyway, we managed to uh, to raise and, and pay a seventy thousand. But then, at that point, we're going to have to decide whether to sell our farm. Well, at that point, nobody had been exonerated. Their hundred percent conviction rate, and not only that, but I'm looking at the state of our country and going, I'm going to need farmland to plant on to have food. So I decided we are not going to sell our farm, and we let our attorneys go, and we went with public defenders. Now, the, the painstaking information people need to know about that is the public defenders are out of Washington, D.C., and in order to serve in the D.C. courts, you have to be approved by the D.C. courts. And so you can imagine it's all just kind of all a conglomerated less chance of any exoneration. Yeah. <clears throat> All of these cases have been in the D.C. Um, courts, and some people elect a uh, judge trial, I mean, just have it, which is actually might be a good call for some people, but the jury's there, everyone points out, but the voting base in Washington, D.C. is whatever it is, 90% Democrat or higher than that, 92%. So you know, you're going to get a, room, a jury full of people who hate Trump, and our Democrats, and so the, the idea of getting a fair trial is a very, it's a very, it's a scary prospect. Um, I am heartened by the fact that more information is coming out in, to the American people about how much apparent involvement the FBI had, about how dangerous it is that the uh, government is not willing to apparently release uh, the contents of all these security videos, which have already changed people's perceptions about Washington. And um, obviously, we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about how the disparity in the energy the DOG, GOJ seems to find in going after everyone January 6th, unlike other violent protests happening around the country where they just can't seem to muster up the interest. So it's a, it seems to many very political persecution, prosecution yes. and persecution. Um, and you know, I, there's probably a lot more to your story. I do let our audience ask questions and we're almost that time, but I did want to ask you, give you a chance to tell. So you guys are just, you're, you're telling your story and you're bringing it out there and helping people understand. Um, I don't, I, 
you know if I missed any major piece of your story you want to tell, but I do want to be sure I left you time uh, to talk about something you formed called the American Patriot Relief, called American Patriot Relief. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us about that? Go ahead. Okay, well, American Patriot Relief is an, a nonprofit organization that we formed through this. Um, it wasn't when Mark and I were arrested, but what had happened is yet another friend doing service on the Texas border. We call it getting J6'd. He got all the special treatment and attention from the FBI and was also arrested. And while we come alongside him to minister and try to restore his spirit because we knew exactly what that was like, um, he may also made mention that he would like to start, you know, we got to do something to help these people. Um, and Mark had already mentioned that when we were arrested. So we all come together and we formed this nonprofit organization of AmericanPatriotRelief.org. The purpose of it is to help in whatever ways are needed for the J6er and their family. So whether it is that the, the financial provider has been incarcerated and now the mom that was a stay-at-home mom homeschooling five kids is now needing assistance, we'll provide that to her. It could be that we pay for travel to and from D.C. because they won't let any of these trials out of D.C. And so it can be very expensive traveling back and forth. We try to help with that. Um, we help with the commissary for the prisoners while they're in prison. And um, that is because most of their civil rights and most of their... Uh, Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights uh, for prison are also being squanched while they're in prison. That they're, they're not receiving equal treatment. We're suspecting that has to do with maybe they're using us. They're ca calling us national terrorists. So we think they're using the Patriot Act against us is what we believe because they're not receiving due process in prison. This is an astonishing um era in American history and a condemnation of our judicial system, condemnation of our law enforcement system, January 6th prisoners, as you're alluding to, not getting due process, often sitting in solitary confinement, uh, people who really did not much more than enter the Capitol and, and turn around and leave. It's just a, um, history will look back at this time and say, what the heck happened to America? Right. Um, so I commend that. I love you formed American Patriot Relief. People can make donations. The website yes. is... AmericanPatriotRelief.org. It is also beneficial. We partner with uh, the American Gulag Chronicles, if you've heard of that book. Um, got a copy of that here. And um, if you, uh, all the proceeds from that book also go to the same cause that we do. We partner very closely with all the other organizations. Patriot that, Mail Project. Right, the Patriot Mail Project to write prisoners to help keep them encouraged. Um, so we partner with everybody to try to give as much help as we can to, to those in need. Just nice to know other people out there care. I mean, families involved in all this. Um, I actually talked about this book on my show one time. I read actually a letter or two out loud. Uh, the American Gulag Chronicles, uh, Letters from Prism. Um, and I, it's a beautiful book. It's, I actually, at the time, was saying I should read a letter every single show just remind people these are real Americans uh, sitting there. So before we turn to our audience uh, and our new deal is if you have a question, please stand up and sit right there and talk right in the microphone so everyone can hear you. And did you have, you, I, 
Any more, anything I did left out of what you wanted to tell about today? We, we could go on for hours. So, <laughs> right. You know, given the time frame, I, I feel like we've covered it pretty good. So um. I just want to make brief mention and recognition that there has been, to date, 12 suicides involved in January 6th. Um, the weight of the government is very heavy. So one of the things that American Patriot Relief has also done is we have a hotline number that we have formed with 24-hour call takers, and that is 833-SAVED-J6. So if you know of any J6ers, make sure that they are aware that that is available to them. We tie them in with resources, and then we just minister to them and try to restore their spirit and let them know they're not alone. Or if, you're, if you were at January 6th and have yet been arrested or have been contacted by the feds or something, you're welcome to call as well. Yes. Ask questions because we've been through this two years and we've teamed with a lot of people who have been through it from the beginning as well. So there's a wealth of information that we have. We just don't have time to share it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I commend you both. You're just obviously, I was thinking when you were speaking a minute ago, you said something like right before we were, or this happened before we were arrested. Most people I know never think those words will ever come out of their <laughs> mouth. Arrested? I mean, and, and you, I mean, just the, um, well, I mean, obviously deeply Christian, mm -hmm. going to Washington, uh, not loaded with weapons, but loaded <laughs> with prayer, love for America, yeah. and, um, and where we find ourselves is, is truly astonishing. Yes. And, and I commend your bravery very much for speaking up. Thank you. So we have some questions. I don't know if um, somebody, there we go, okay. Thank you for coming today. I wore this sweatshirt in your honor. Well, it thank says, you. when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was just wondering, as you're represented by these lawyers and you're owing $250,000, could you explain to me what it is that they did for you for that? And how did, you know, seriously, how, I, I can't believe you had the wisdom to not sell your homestead because in Texas, they can't take it. So just remember that. It's unsecured debt. It's no better than credit card debt or anything else. And if you never pay it back, there's not really anything it could do to your house. But uh, just what, what was it like dealing with the lawyers? And what kind of services did you receive? And what did you think you could expect for $250,000? I do have one quick answer uh, from the very, very beginning. In fact, the very first meeting within <clears throat> Within an hour of meeting them, I turned to that attorney, and no disrespect, but I turned to the attorney and I said, so I guess it's just a matter of which wolf is going to eat me first. Hi, my name is Bob Burns. I've met you two before and uh, friends with Kevin and Mary Caldwell. And uh, Debbie, this might be a question for you, but why can't these, uh, when you hear that you have change of venues, why are they stopping or how are they stopping a change of venue for all of our patriots that are caught up in this? Thank you. Yeah, I, I would love to handle that question. I will say, normally it, it is assumed in the law, especially in criminal prosecutions, if a jury is obviously going to be biased, uh, change of venue is a very common thing in criminal proceedings. And to your kind of half, half your question, I think in this case, it's just indicia of the motive of the prosecution. 
they are not going to let these cases be spread around the country, have juries actually made up more of your peers, people who are more concerned about the country, about the election, what seems to have been ex extensive election fraud. They don't want to allow that to happen. To me, it, it, it's just indicia evidence of the bias of this entire prosecution by, by the DOJ. They've just decided this is going to be a, a time when we're going to shut down all of this notion of protest, and they, they don't want to risk a jury that might feel sympathetic to, to the defendants. Um, so it's a, I mean, they are supposed to allow change of venue when they believe a jury's been biased. And, you know, uh, I mean, I guess in defense or by explanation why a judge might not agree to that, he might just say, you know, there's no one in the country who hasn't heard what happened on January 6th. It's not like if you move this to Maine or, you know, Tennessee that you'll get a jury who's not biased because they've all heard about it. They've all heard about the incident January 6th. So I guess that is their argument. But yeah, it, to not remove uh, movies, I think it is, I guess you can't say it's criminal, but it's certainly indicia of the determination of these, these prosecutions is to get convictions. It's not to have a jury truly of the peers. And That's I would, my two cents. I would like to speak into that a little bit too, because, you know, I, I know the judges are responding to it, that where would you go that you have not heard about January 6th? But there's a big difference between hearing it and living it. And, you know, that day, everybody in Washington, D.C. watched the National Guard roll up and down their streets. They saw martial law go into place. They heard the sirens going off everywhere. They saw police walking up and down the streets with M4s on their shoulders. And um, that in itself is experiencing it. It's not just hearing of it. It's experiencing it. And no more if there was a, a, a murder in apartment complex, would you ask the residents of the apartment complex to be on the jury should it be that they are letting these D.C. residents be a juror? So it really isn't even about can you be fair. I, I think it's unfair to even ask that. I think the statement is you lived it. Your loved ones work at the Capitol. You may work at the Capitol. You lived it. It's very different than watching it on TV. Very good point. Very good point. There we go, we have another one right over here. I was wondering, what's the overall attitude of people that know you or that you run into about you being there? And how much do you experience people thinking that you deserved this because you shouldn't have been there? I had one of my aunts say that she would send us flowers while we were in prison. Say, excuse me, say that again. Jesus. She would send us flowers while we were in prison. And <laughs> condescendingly. Yeah. You know, happy that we would go to prison. Um, outside of that, uh, where we live up, up in Cook County, um, we really haven't been ostracized for the most part. Most, both of us were terminated instantly from our jobs, uh, which is common with all J6ers. Um, but beyond that, I mean, people have been very receptive. Um, there's been a lot of family members that have distanced us, dis distanced from us, as well as, as friends. Um, but I mean, as really as far as negativity locally that we've 
experience from acquaintances or something mm -hmm. has not been that much. We've gotten tons of death threats and, and you know in the mail and, and phone calls and that sort of thing. Because one thing the federal government is doing is they're doxing every single one of us. So they released pictures of our home, our address, our phone numbers, our life history basically was just plastered all over the internet for all of these you know, unhinged leftists to just have a heyday. And, uh, but so, they make sure to redact their names. Yeah, they, they redacted all their names. <laughs> the, the officers are kind of yeah. 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 So, um, you know, that's, that's most of the hate or, or the yeah. dissension that we felt is just all around the nation. But uh, to expand on it, on any given day, I'm a marketer, I'm out in the field, so I'm meeting strangers all day, every day. And now there's really not such thing as a stranger when you've been plastered all over national news. People, even people that can't put their finger on it are like, you look so familiar. And I know where they're going, right? I and and, and I just lay it out there. And so from any given day, going from person to person, you, you're, you're going from zero to hero, from zero to hero yeah. all throughout the day. You go to this person and you feel the animosity and the resentment. Um, and the anger. I had a gentleman, it, it crushed me. This, this is a lesson, never to ask a question if you don't want the answer, because he was a World War II veteran, and I asked him what he felt about January 6th. He didn't know my story, and he said they should have been shot dead on the steps, and my heart just fell apart, and it was so hard for me. Well, from there, I kid you not, I left there emotionally just wounded by that. It really felt like I couldn't finish my day at work. Went to the very next meeting I was due to have in a restaurant. A woman recognizes me that has two ladies I've never been around. And she gets so excited when I get out of the car. Oh, girls, come here, come here. You've got to meet her. She was at January 6th. You know, and, and they were just engrossed in the story. And one of them even said, you're my hero. That was in one day, about 45 minutes apart. And, and that really is what the life of a J6er is like. So I can see about one minute left here. And you know, I do wanna, um, we're trying to be really good about being timely here, but I do wanna, um, you briefly had a story, I don't know if you can tell quickly, but about the FBI approaching your sister, Mark. I've forgotten about yes. that little story. And if you're able to quickly tell people this is, in case you think the FBI isn't thorough in hassling you. So on January 6th, um, people at, were asking us through either text or Facebook, where were we at? And so I, I did a Google map of, of the Capitol and, and put a dot where we were up on, uh, up on the West Terrace. And after a little bit, my sister texted me and said, hey, you might ought to take that down. That just doesn't look good. And I was like, okay. So I took it down. And it was uh, right after they offered us a plea deal. They were wanting us to take a plea deal on the felony of assaulting federal police officers and one other count. I can't remember what it was. It was a misdemeanor. Anyway, um, they, they approached her, and, and they were threatening her with charging her with uh, was aiding and abetting. or Yeah, I think it was aiding and abetting. And they said, well, if your brother doesn't take this plea deal, we're, we're looking at charging you that. And by the way, we're going to charge him with, a, with obstruction of, of or tampering of evidence because he deleted it off of Facebook. Well, as you all know, you can't delete anything off of Facebook. It's, it's there forever. 
Um, they have it, so it obviously didn't go very far. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so we didn't take the plea deal, by the way. <laughs> but the idea of going to your sister, threatening her job, is uh, pretty much threatening her yeah. job, threatening her to go after her, and describing it as aiding and abetting that she's encouraging you, you might want to take that down, she's protecting your own brother, and you with destruction of evidence it's your facebook page and you i mean the i mean the i'm just getting at the want to have you tell that story to get at the the just kind of length of the depth of determination to just just destroy people who yeah, dare to participate into doing what they wanted they want us to take a plea deal because that's an easy you know win for them um, but also you know you also have to be charged with a crime to know that you're committing a crime by deleting evidence it's the evidence is that you haven't been yeah. charged. Right. Yeah. So, right. Um, you know. They didn't think that threat through very well. No. Well, they, they, it, it was they just didn't. intimidation. They just wanted yeah. her to call me, Mark, you really need to take this, this yeah. plea deal. And it, that it, is it, very, Yeah, because this very has been normal. a year later, and they've not charged me with that, and they've not charged her. So. They also start piling charges on when you don't take the plea. Yeah. So if I understood our charges correctly, we were actually at seven charges Originally. until we didn't take the plea, and then they put two more yeah. on us. And they're, they're misdemeanors. I mean, it's more of the same stuff. They're just wording it different ways. But Well, it's exactly what happens. That's actually a good uh, point to wrap up the show with. When prosecutors are determined to get you, as, as they seem to have been the case of our uh, Donald Trump, they can take one action on your part or one inaction and then formulate quasi-legitimate legal charges, you know, uh, accusations of crime. In Donald Trump's case, 34 crimes out arising out of an alleged payment to um, a porn star, wherever she was, a, a pole dancer. And in your case, the idea of you can find more charges against you, it is just it's an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. It's a fear tactic. It's going to make you say, okay, okay, what do I have to, to make you go away? So I, again, as I said earlier, I want to commend you both for your bravery and for speaking the truth. And really, uh, on January 6th, for going to, up to Washington for all the reasons the First Amendment exists, which is to stand up and speak up, to speak your mind, have freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, and certainly... Freedom of religion, which includes huddling in prayer for your country, and um, and so I, I just I want to believe that a God who is just and mighty is going to make things Amen. right, make things he, right. Okay, he's doing amazing work with us, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, and I, so thank you both so very much for joining me today. Just thank you for being here. Thank, thank you for you. the opportunity. And thank you everyone for tuning in to America Can We Talk. You can tune in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I thank you so very much for listening to my show, for speaking up for America for yourself. I do this show to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Can we talk truth about America? Can you